This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. You guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Real Real Podcast with Natalie Barbu. Instagram might be your highlight reel, but we're here to talk about the real real. Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Christine Howell. Christine is actually the owner and designer of Dear Survivor, which is actually a sustainable fashion jewelry brand. What makes Dear Survivor so special is that a percentage of all proceeds goes to the rehabilitation of human trafficking survivors. This is just so important to me. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but human trafficking, sex trafficking, and basically sex slavery is something I am very, very passionate about in terms of organizations that help survivors and victims of these horrific crimes. I actually have been trying to get more involved with Thorn, which is another one of the organizations that's goal is to stop human trafficking. It's just something that I really, really care about and it's something that I hold deeply inside my heart. So when I heard that Christine is the owner of the sustainable jewelry line, that this is their mission and this is who they are helping, I just had to take this interview and I was so excited for her to be on my podcast and to hear not only about how she started a business, but how she started a business doing something that she's really passionate about that helps others. Because yes, it's all great to start a business. Of course, I'm all for that. You guys know from my episodes, but this one is just super special because because she's actually doing really, really good things and it has such a purpose and we talk about a lot about starting this business, why she decided to choose this specific cause, what led her to choose this cause, um, and then also kind of talking about her major in school and what she wishes she would have done and what she wishes people would have told her, and then also how her small business is being affected by COVID-19, because this was a virtual interview, of course, and I just really wanted to know the inside scoop from her about how this pandemic is affecting her business. So I highly recommend you guys check out Dear Survivor. I think that this conversation with Christine is just going to be an amazing amazing episode I'm really excited for you guys to hear it and I just wanted to thank you guys also for all of the reviews and the sweet comments from all of the previous podcast episodes they are never forgotten I did want to shout out the reviewer of the week this week and this one was really really nice it like made me really happy reading this podcast review she said I literally have tried so many different podcasts and they just weren't for me this though this This is everything. I listen to it while I do my work or clean. The content and people are so very inspirational. I also have to applaud Natalie for her ability to move the episode forward in an interesting way. She asks the right questions and it feels like I'm sitting there having a natural conversation. My favorite part about this podcast is the fact that it shows that everyone, and I mean like everyone, has a story to tell. That 
is exactly what I'm trying to hope for when doing this podcast that everyone does have a story to tell you don't have to have a million followers you don't have to have a bunch of subscribers you don't have to be famous you don't have to even like be super super successful or whatever that means to whoever is listening I just want to hear your story I think everyone has a story to tell and I am so happy that in this episode I'm highlighting Christine's anyways I hope that you guys enjoy and let's get into the episode Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz-free up your schedule with Way. Go to theouai.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's theouai.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited to chat. 
So we are going to get started with setting the record straight. So this is just where I say some assumptions or stereotypes, and then you're going to set the record straight and tell me if they're true or false. Cool. Uh, the first one is you need a lot of money to start a fashion brand. Um, that is definitely false. Um, my story, I actually started with only $800. Um, I got a tax return back in 2015. Um, and I had always wanted to do something in fashion. Um, but just very like spontaneously and quickly decided to just kind of go for it. Um, and yeah, I just was like, I think in my head, like I wasn't thinking that far in advance of like, oh, I'm going to start this brand that I'm going to do for years. It was just a matter of, I wonder if I can double my tax return and maybe have like $1,600 within the next like two months, like just based on things that I'm able to make. Um, and that just like kind of led like one thing led to the next. And like, before you know it, I'm like five years into my business right now because of that $800 investment that I gave to myself and allowed myself to be creative with and um, yeah, invested in my own creative skills. So having money definitely helps to start, but like to start, you can, you can be so scrappy at the beginning and just kind of um, yeah, really go for it. That's awesome that it was your tax return also. So it's something that anyone can. <laughs> totally. <start with. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was th thankfully, at, cause I was working at that time. I was working in LA as a seamstress for another company. Um, and truthfully, I was making very little money, um, very, very small amount of money. So that was like the entirety of my taxes for the year was given like the, what I had paid in taxes was given back. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Why not? And I mean, since then I actually haven't had a tax return cause I've been self-employed this whole time since then, but you know, it was so great when I had that and I love that I was able to do that with it. Yeah. I think that's a really cool way to start your business is by doing something like that. Yeah. Um, and the next one is human trafficking does not happen in the United States. Mm, very false. Very, very false. I think, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, just in the last few years, there's been much more attention given to this issue and evidence coming out about how, I mean, human trafficking is worldwide and human trafficking can look like um, sex trafficking, like exploiting human beings for sexual reasons. And then also like labor trafficking. Um, so like exploiting people like, like work hours and um, yeah, human trafficking is a very broad, broad thing. Um, but yes, unfortunately, human trafficking is alive and thriving in the United States, um, often in cities that are port cities. So like along the coasts, bigger, bigger cities that have like tourism, um, there, are, those are going to all like all be the hubs. Um, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate, but it is very, very real. Yeah, it's actually something that was brought more to my attention this year. I've just been trying to find organizations that I'm passionate about, things that I want to bring more awareness to with my platform, and yeah. human trafficking has been one of the top ones. Mm -hmm. I've been donating to some um, organizations that try to combat awesome. that. Yeah. But it's just something that like you don't really think about because no one talks about it. You think it totally. So far away, or it doesn't affect you, or it's gone, like that happened years ago, but it's something that's very, very, very prominent today, which is really scary. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and then the next one is sustainable fashion is too expensive. Mm, I would say false. Um, 
Yeah, okay. I would say that one's actually true and false, but it doesn't have to be true. Um, it is possible possible to be a sustainable brand and not charge through the roof um, just based on like choosing to work with different materials that are not the more expensive option or um, I, I mean for me well I think in general like the, the sustainable fashion movement is becoming associated with privilege and wealth and um, being able to to purchase things that are more you know quality or more uh, sustainable, but like my, my, my hope, cause I'm also not someone that has a ton of money. Like I want to make, I want to make sustainable fashion more accessible for anybody and right. um, do things that brings the, brings the price down and not upcharging because of the label like, Oh, it's sustainable. So, you know, we can charge an extra $50 or um, for that, like for that, that thing. Um, yeah. Why do you think it's more expensive? Is it be, is it actually mm-hmm. more expensive, do you think? Or brands are just kind yeah. of using that to their advantage? Um, I would say it's both. Like there, I mean, to to there's a lot of things that go into pricing a, a product, um, from like manufacturing costs to quantities that you're making. Like obviously like the higher quantities, you're able to typically work with factories to get lower pricing. Um so yeah, if you're doing things in smaller batch, it is going to be more expensive to, to actually make the things itself. Um, but then also like material wise. So like, let's say for example, a brand is making a dress, they can either make it out of like a poly, a poly blend. So something that has like a plastic derived thread, or they can go with a more organic. So let's say like a fabric that's made from eucalyptus fibers. Um, the eucalyptus fiber is going to be more of an expensive fabric. So like that's where the cost comes from versus working with a poly blend fabric that comes from plastic, which is cheap. And um, that's why most, most things these, these days are made from polyester. Um, and that is, that is cheaper. So like there's definitely two sides of the coin where it's like sustainable fashion. There's so many, so much more intention that goes into a product. Like, uh, so things the costs do add up. However, I mean, my brand, I work with all like recycled material. So the costs for those things are not going to be nearly as high because often it's things that would just otherwise be getting thrown away because it's a byproduct of somebody else's production. Um, right. Yeah. So there's definitely like two sides of the coin of it can definitely get on the more expensive side, but then there are also ways to uh, design sustainably that does not cost an arm and a leg. And I like what you said about how it does have to do with wealth and privilege as well, or is kind of associated mm-hmm. with that because it, yeah. it reminds me of like healthy food versus fast mm. food. So yeah. healthy food, like salad places, for example, are $15 for a salad versus yeah. McDonald's, you can get a meal yeah. for $2. Totally. So it's, it reminds me of the same thing where it's like, yes, all of these things that are a lot cheaper are so bad for us. So yeah. why can't we like make healthier alternatives or more sustainable alternatives at a cheaper price. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. a salad is very, very inexpensive. Like it's just a few vegetables, yeah. you know, like if you go yeah. to the supermarket and you buy the ingredients, it's not as expensive. So yeah. I don't know. I think that's another issue also in itself, but it just reminded me of that as well. And I know that there's sure. different, there's different, um, I guess, like you were saying, there's two sides to it. Like, yeah, those things then rot quicker. They go bad quicker, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm those things will affect the price, but 
in general, I feel like it's kind of the same thing with like healthy food options are very expensive and like sustainability and sustainable products are also very expensive today. I just wanted to take a quick break to thank TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds for sponsoring today's episode. Are you having trouble sleeping, focusing, or relaxing? If the answer is yes, then TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds podcast has got you covered. This hour-long podcast is made to help you get rid of distractions, reduce stress, relax, and get better sleep. You can listen to the sounds of nature, white noise, relaxing music, and so much more. You can check out the TM Soft's White Noise Sleep Sounds podcast on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, like, I just, I want to be a part of the the global movement of making sustainability more of the norm Um, and part of, you know, being one of the designers that's opening that up for the average customer and not just the the people that have more money. Um, Because I think that if it's going to be a part of, you know, our future, which it needs to be like sustainable fashion, fashion just needs to change. Um, And in order for it to change, we need to make it more accessible. Right. Um, And now tell me a little bit more about yourself. So where you went to school or did you go to school and your upbringing? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in um, Redlands, California, which is about an hour outside of LA. Um, I've always loved anything like art, art and fashion, like since I was really little. My dad's a a full-time artist my whole life. Um, He's a painter. So like I grew up in a very creative home. um, But like on the, on the other side of that, my family was like, did not really encourage me to pursue anything creative because they also knew the struggle of being in a creative career. Um, so yeah, I went to college. I actually was able to get a full ride scholarship based on my academics, which was a huge blessing. Um, I went to San Francisco State University. So yeah, I got to move up to the city and had an amazing time just like jumping right into the world and, um, yeah, I studied, I ended up like getting my degree in sociology um, because yeah, everyone was like, no, don't do fashion. Don't do art. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't actually get, it's not going to get you a career. Um, When it's like looking back, I'm like, those those are always the things I've loved the most. And like the thing that I inevitably ended up doing. So it's just, I, it's just funny um, that I didn't actually like study it. And one of my regrets, I wish that I would have just pursued my passion in school. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, do you wish that you majored in those things? Yes. Oh my gosh. Cause there's so many like more technical skills that I wish I had, like, um, especially, yeah, like pattern making. I, I so badly wish I knew the technical side of like designing a garment or like, oh yeah, there's just, there's, there's a lot of things that I'm like, okay, if I could have gone back, which maybe I still think about it all the time. Like maybe I will like take some design classes or, right. I don't know. um, Anyways, so yeah, I studied sociology because the thing that I knew that I wanted to do, no matter what the career was, was like, I wanted to help people in some capacity. Um, And sociology just was kind of that thing to, if I wanted to go into like nonprofit or it's just kind of shaping your understanding of the world and um, the social dynamic. So that's what I majored in. And then I, I did minor in sculpture. So sculpture is like definitely a big part of my life as well. Um, yeah, so that was that's what I studied. And then after I graduated, I moved to LA to work for a nonprofit that was a clothing company working with homeless people um, on Skid Row. Um, so because I've always like been fascinated by the intersection of like fashion and social good, um, being able to like help a people group that are, um, yeah, 
being able to help people through the sale of an item to me has just always been fascinating. And I worked at stores throughout college that were uh, primarily selling goods from uh, social enterprise brands. So that's kind of like, I had been seeing that for a long time and was always inspired by it. Um, and yeah, I moved to LA and was working there for a couple years and eventually was like, I had a friend in fashion that was like, Hey, you're actually really good at making things. Like, have you thought about, you know, starting your own brand? And I was like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not qualified. And I think that goes back to like, I didn't study it in school. I just, I feel like I didn't know enough to actually be a business owner. Um, but yeah, she was like, you know, you're just try to make a couple of things and see what happens. Like try to come up with a brand name. Um, I locked in my cause, um, came up with like my first collection, had friends that were starting out as graphic designers, like do a logo. We did like a big photo shoot, got like, you know, Squarespace had just started. So like was able to make a, a website super fast and easy. Um, and yeah, like it was so like, I like looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how fast that was. Like it, it just was like, I just went for it. Um, yeah. With that $800 that was it and um that's amazing that's $800 and someone that pushes you and someone that motivates you is sometimes Mm -hmm. all you need like really that's That's all all just to have someone to like tell you like hey you're allowed to do this I think is huge Mm -hmm. um and I just hadn't really had that before um anyone like telling me like you know your creative dreams actually are realistic like you're allowed to, you, you can pursue this. Um, and yeah, like that was actually, that was, um, tax season five years ago, 2015. So I am five years, like, yeah, five years into, into this. And it just still like blows my mind that it actually worked, um, that I'm still here doing it and like have been able to bring attention and like, uh, donate to the cause that I'm, I'm passionate about. Um, just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just so thankful that I get to do it. No, I think that's such an incredible story of how you started and how it's ended up. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, what is Dear Survivor? Like, what? how do you describe what Dear Survivor is? Yeah. Uh, Dear Survivor is a sustainable fashion uh, fashion jewelry brand. So, um, yeah, all of my pieces are made from upcycled materials. Uh, a portion of all sales goes to a nonprofit that I'm partnered with called Generate. Hope, which is a rehabilitation home for women who've been rescued from sex trafficking. Um, And then the the third component that I've always also been like equally passionate about is like manufacturing and like making sure that everything is done ethically and providing like a livelihood for the people you work with. Um, And so like as I've grown and tried to like figure out how to scale my business, I strategically have looked for manufacturing partners that was doing more than just like sending stuff blindly to a factory and getting it back. So I'm partnered with another nonprofit called Refugee Artisan Initiative up in Seattle. And yeah, so I just send them all the components to my, my earrings and uh, the women who they partner with were all like formerly artisans in their home countries. And yeah, they just are able to work from home, stay at home with their kids, assemble my pieces and then send it back to me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's Steer Survivor is ethically made empowering people and planet through yeah hopefully something like yeah a piece of jewelry that you'll want to have for a long time and how did you go about finding the company or the manufacturers so i know that you partner with the refugees Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. did you even go about finding that was it something that was placed on your heart that you wanted to give back to or did it did you look up that organization 
Yeah, no, I, um, so manufacturing is really wild. Um, and I could like go on and on about it. So I'll try to like be more brief, but I had gone through a few different manufacturing teams last year. Um, there's this great resource. It's called Makers Row, which is a database in the United States for like manufacturers in the U.S. So like connecting designers like me to smaller, some yeah, some bigger factories, some smaller factories, but everyone is like U.S. based, which is a great database. Um, so I actually found them through there. I they were probably like the third, third or fourth people that I had like tried doing trial runs with. So like sending the like sample product seeing how they did, having them send it back. Um, and the problem that I was having with like the larger manufacturers was the attention to detail that they were giving my product. Um, things were coming back to me, just not up to par, like not up to my standards. Something I'm like, I, I would never be able to sell this. Like you right. scratched the leather, like you didn't tighten it enough so it's loose and can fall apart. Um, part of that is because like, the way that I designed the jewelry that I've created is different. Um, it's not done in the traditional way that fashion jewelry is made. So fashion jewelry, meaning like things that are a cheaper price point, typically like the things you would buy at Forever 21 or like made well, just, yeah, the jewelry that's not like gold diamonds, it's more alternative materials, more fun, like just different things. So yeah, the stuff that I, I have created is just a, different enough technique to make manufacturers like not know what to do with it. Um, especially because it's leather. Um, I work with all scrap leather from another factory in LA that makes purses. Um, I go to them and like buy up their scrap after they're done cutting the bags out of the leather hides. Um, anyways, so it's just different enough to make it difficult. And everyone was sending me the things back of either one, they were saying like, sorry, we can't make this product for you or two sending it to me and it was terrible. And I was like, no, um, not going to work. And so when I, when I found refugee artisan initiative, I was like, Oh my gosh, these would be the ideal people to work with because I mean, my goal with this is to just like help as many people as possible through this brand. Um, and sent them the stuff. Like I remember getting it back and being like nervous to open it. Cause I was like, I really want this to work out. And I, I need to find someone pretty quickly to help me. Cause I, I can't keep making everything myself, like at the rate that I'm getting orders. And yeah, I opened it and I started crying because it was like perfect. They were the only people that had like the same attention to detail and care um, that I was putting into my product. And like, yeah, so it's, it was just like such a huge like relief when, um, yeah, I found them and they're, they're awesome. And they've been able to grow with me um, as I've grown because they're also like a newer organization and they're growing and, um, yeah, so it, it just, it takes time to find like the right manufacturing partners. It takes a lot of trial and error. It was about six months of me, like working to find somebody to make it and then find me finding them. Yeah. And I feel like when you see your product, when you listen to this podcast, you might think like, oh yeah, I want to do something like that, but I just don't have the time or it's going to take forever. But when you put it to like, yeah, it took six months. That is a long time. And probably in those six months you were getting frustrated, but I think it pays off so (laughs) much in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I'm something I'm really, I'm really proud of. Like I'm really proud of having put in the effort and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm proud of it and I'm thankful and it's, it's been exciting to see the growth and, um, just, op- it opens a lot of doors for me cause I can step into the role more so now as designer rather than 
being the one making the things all the time. Like it's allowing me more time to be creative and um, using my ingenuity to like create new designs. Right. And how, or why did you choose human trafficking as your main cause? Is it something yeah. that you were really passionate about from before you started this company or was were you just looking for an organization to support? Yeah. So I was already very passionate about it um, when I was in college. So part of the reason I studied sociology, um, let's see, it was probably like 2010. Um, I had just started hearing more about human trafficking in the United States and modern day slavery, like that term. Um, and so like in my sociology classes, that's kind of what I just started to gear my research around because one, it just fascinated me. And two, I was just in disbelief that it was so prevalent in the United States. And, um, yeah, so I, I very early, like years, I guess that was 10 years ago, which is so crazy to me. (laughs) Um, but I started like researching it a lot and like really looking at the ways that modern consumerism affects human trafficking around the world with like uh exploitation and labor um manufacturing all that so it was something that i was already very aware of and like very interested in um and then yeah when i was in college i I lived in like this beautiful neighborhood in san francisco like the picturesque houses that you can think of um we had this like vacant storefront across from us that was like formerly like a salon Um, and yeah, one day there was just like an open sign and my roommates and I were like, what, like what, what opened? Like there was nothing, nothing there. And yeah, it became very clear that it was like an illegal brothel. There would just be like men ringing the doorbell all hours of like day and night waiting to be let in. Someone would like creak open the door and like look to see who they were. And then Anyways, it was just very clear. And because I had been studying human trafficking trends, um, I actually did know what to look for. And I did know, I just noticed all these signs. Um, So that was like insane and like heartbreaking, just thinking about like, okay, what's happening across the street? Like um, I walked to the police station just a couple blocks away and was reporting it. And they were like, well, you know, we haven't seen this or that. So like we can't do a raid or blah, 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 all this stuff. And yeah, all like the reports that I was filing, they were just like, there's not enough evidence. Um, and it ended up taking two years to actually get exposed and shut down. And, um, it was insane. And like all of our neighbors, like we all knew it was happening. The, it, the, the neighbor of that unit was like a little corner store and the owner of that shop, he was the one that actually finally saw one of the girls with the tattoo on her neck of the woman's name that was like the leader. Um, and so he, his reporting was the one that finally got it to get shut down because he saw the tattoo and that was like one of the sure signs. So yeah, that was just like insane because I was like, okay, I actually know what to do in this situation. I know the people to contact, like I know the signs of this, like I, I'm the one that should be able to help in some capacity. Um, and just realizing that I couldn't help was like super discouraging and, um, so yeah, I like, cause I also knew I'm like, okay, I'm an artist. Like I'm a creative person. I'm not, you know, I'm not in like, like someone in like law that can actually do some type of structural change or like make a difference in that way. So I had always known, like if I ever were to start a business or a brand, like that would be the, the cause that I was in connection with. Um, cause I really believe that there is so much power in the consumer market to do like positive, beautiful things in the world or really exploit people and our planet. And it's, it's a powerful place. And 
you can do a lot of good through it if you build your business with that intention. Um, so yeah, from, from day one, when my friend had been like, you know, think of a brand, come up with a name. As soon as like, she gave me that challenge, like all the wheels started turning in my brain of like, oh my gosh, like I can call it dear survivor. I can, you know, tie in like my passion for human trafficking and also making sure that all of the materials I work with are ethically made and manufacturing is good. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of all how it came about. I'm going to take a quick break to tell you guys about our sponsor. You guys all know what Spotify is, but on Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free, so you do not need to have a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one that you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline wherever you are. And you can also easily share what you're listening to with your friends on Instagram. So if you're listening to this ad right now, you should take a pause and share your podcast or share my podcast, I should say, on your Instagram story and let other people know where to find it. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app, search for The Real Real Podcast on Spotify, or browse podcasts in your library tab. Also, make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of The Real Real Podcast. That's just so sad to me, though, at how long it took for mm-hmm. the storefront across the street from you to get shut down. Because yeah. you know that that's not the only one in this country. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And even, like, in San Francisco, when that happened, like, this news article came out about it. Because at that point, I had actually already moved to L.A., but my roommates were still living there and they had, were like telling, giving me all the updates. Um, but yeah, it, it was like a, a sex trafficking ring. That was all they were able to bust all of them at once in the city. And that was one of them. Um, but the crazy part was that the, it actually like didn't get fully shut. It got like shut down. Um, but the, the people running it were never like properly, I don't know. They were still renting the place since then like things have like picked up again and um part of the reason for that was because back then maybe things have changed now but there was only two um vice it's called i don't know if i'm pretty sure it's called vice police officers in san francisco that were like specifically the ones like handling human trafficking and it was there was just too much and there wasn't enough capacity to like do something about it um yeah it's just so heartbreaking that is so sad. But, you know, I think it's, like, crazy that that's something you were studying and then it happened right yeah. in front of your eyes. Like, that <laughs> it was is so crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it was, like, insane. And I don't know if it, it – I saw it because I was aware or, like, I don't know if my roommates would have noticed something if I hadn't been like, guys, are you watching this thing happen across the street? Like, what's going on? But, um, yeah, it just it definitely was one of those, like – life-altering things for me and um something I just couldn't ignore like you can't see that and then just be like okay yeah like the world's great it's like no we all need to do something um this is what I've been exposed to this is this is my life experience and like how how am I going to move forward in light of that and um how can I use my voice and my my skills to hopefully help 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 something yeah I know and I know that you said that you're hoping or 
you said that fashion and consumerism, you can either be contributing to the exploitation Mm -hmm. or you can be helping with consumerism. So do you see that shift in fashion specifically that do you think more brands are gearing towards that, gearing towards being more sustainable and also just making wiser decisions and more impactful decisions? Or do you think it's kind of just like a trend right now, but it'll go away? Yeah. I mean, I would say both to yes to both of those things. Like I think there amazingly there's this global movement to change how fashion is done um i mean this week is actually fashion revolution week which is the this year is the seven year anniversary of rana plaza which was the factory in bangladesh that collapsed um and like killed thousands of like women who were working there making clothes for like walmart and jc penny like those type of like more fast fashion brands um so that's this week, like kind of, and since then in the last seven years, there has been a, a, a huge shift towards doing things better. Um, like customers are becoming more aware of the effects of fast fashion, of the environmental impact and the social impact that cheap clothing is having. Um, so yes, I think that things are moving forward in a really positive way. Um, however, the trained sustainable sustainable fashion um, is becoming so widely used that like it's starting to lose its meaning. Um, bigger fast fashion brands are saying like, "Here's our sustainable line," and it's like, "What's actually sustainable about it?" You have like two percent of eucalyptus fiber, but the rest is, you know, a polyester. Um, so there's a lot of greenwashing happening, and um, yeah, I don't know. There's like it's, it's, uh, discouraging. Um, but I mean, right now, I mean, you know, where the world is shut down because of coronavirus, um, and the entire fashion community is kind of looking at taking this moment and being like, okay, what can we collectively change in the future? Um, because so much of manufacturing has just completely halted around the world. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful there's a lot of conversations going around of like, okay, this is like, a time for our industry to collectively change and do better moving forward. Um, so I'm hopeful, like I'm really hopeful that that will be the case. And um, I am afraid that a lot of the smaller businesses that are part of the big change happening, um, it's, this is a really hard time to be a small business owner, to be a designer. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I'm afraid that a lot of brands will not be able to survive this, which is heartbreaking. Um, but I'm hopeful because <laughs> I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm an optimist. So I think that this, this season of life will hopefully be a catalyst for positive change in fashion. Yeah, I completely agree. And how have you been with the COVID-19 situation? How has your survivor yeah. been doing? Oh, it's crazy. Like it's, I, I still just can't even believe the situation. Um, when I like actually think about it like I've, I've definitely got into a routine like I'm in California so like I've been working from home for like five or six weeks now um because yeah my office is in downtown San Diego in a building full of jewelers and um a lot of old people um so I was like okay I think we should all just go home and and work um but yeah my my business is primarily wholesale like I work with a lot of like boutiques and things all across the country um, so that's about like 70 to 80% of my business. And that's all gone right now because all like retail shops are basically closed. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've taken like a huge, a huge hit. Um, but I've always, I mean, it's the ironic part is beginning of this year. I was like, okay, my 2020 goal is like 
become more direct consumer, like online sales, grow that. Um, and now it's like, just like kind of like a funny joke to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, now, now we're there. Like we are like forced to be doing that. Um, getting more creative with like how to be like a direct consumer brand. Um, so yeah, I have the things that I have changed. Um, I'm doing more one of a kind pieces, like weekly, weekly launches that are, uh, yeah, unique things. Um, and then, yeah, I'm doing cast, cast jewelry as well. So like I'll make sculptural wax forms and then my caster, he just got back into the studio. So like we're able to like keep, keep producing stuff, which is wild because so much of manufacturing is just done right now. And not a lot of brands are able to put out new product. Um, so yeah, just adapting and figuring out <laughs> what to do right now, but we're surviving. Like we're going to get through. Um, I have a lot of determination and yeah, I'm about to like June 15th is my five year anniversary as a brand. So I'm like, we're going to make it like, gotta get through. Like I'm not going down now. Um, so it's just shifting a lot of things and like scaling back where I can and, um, being nimble and yeah, but just so unexpected, like, gosh, it's, it's just a crazy situation, but overall I'm just thankful. Um, thankful for a lot of things. And also the power of social media, I feel like is huge right now with mm-hmm. online sales and with getting your name out there. So yeah. I do hope that a lot of small businesses kind of take advantage of that if they haven't in the past, because I know a lot of businesses still might not be on social media, but I think now it's kind of eye opening that um, is something that you kind of need to be on, which is crazy yeah. that something like this has halted manufacturing and production because it's something that never in a million years you would have thought would shut down. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And I wanted to ask you one last question. What is your best advice to someone who wants to create a company that has a mission that makes an impact that isn't just to sell, just to make money, something that is giving back? Totally. Gosh, best advice. I mean, I think I sit down with a lot of people who come to me and are like, Oh, I want to do something like you're doing. Um, my, the thing that I always tell people is like, you just have to do it. Like you just have to start. You, you can't, you can, you can think about it for so long. You can dream about it, but like you actually just need to start. You just need to do something. And I'm so thankful that I had that friend years ago be like, you know, just go for it, come up with a name. And, um, cause I think that if, if I had, if I had really like sat down to plan out this full like grand scheme of like, I'm going to start a business and this is, I'm going to like, this is my goal. And this is my, my dream of this is who I want to connect with. And I think I would have been halted with a lot of fear of like, Oh, I could never do that. Like I, yeah, I, I can't make much of a difference. I don't have any money. Like I can't start something. Um, and I, I think my biggest piece of advice to anyone is just like, if you have a dream, if you have like a brand that you want to start, if you have a cause that you're passionate about, um, you just need to start some, like start something. Um, mm-hmm. It can be super small. It, it yeah. can be, a, yeah, it can be a really small endeavor and you can just kind of see where, where it takes you. Um, but I think, yeah, the biggest thing is to just go for it. If, especially cause I feel like, I feel like we know ourselves pretty well. Like when I look back at my life, I'm like, I've always loved the same things. Like I've always been into the, the same th- same things in my life. And like, why did I ever, you know, going to college, like, why did I doubt who I was? Um, and so if you're passionate about something, if, if you really love something, like, I think it's really worth it to, to pursue it. And um, 
yeah, to like not live in the fear of like what ifs, but. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think so many people are so scared about like, they have to have a 12 page business plan. They have to think yeah. about like, five year and 10 year projections. Uh-huh. And yeah. I'm just like, no, I, I know some people are going to be like, no, you need a business plan. I don't think so. I think it actually yeah. holds a lot of people back. Yes, just absolutely. Take the first step and start mm-hmm. and you will figure it out along the way. Cause I guarantee if you make a business plan, it's going to change the second you start your company. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I don't know if that's just like a, a shift in, you know, generations. Cause I remember I had like older people telling me like, Oh, you know, you're good. At, like make a business plan, like come up and you know, you have to write this thing. Like this is true traditionally how you do it. And I was like, Oh gosh, that sounds so boring. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, like, I don't, I don't know. I think that our generation is more like, okay, we have the internet and we have so much potential to just like start making things and start doing things. And we don't have to do things in the traditional way of planning necessarily, or I don't know. Right. And I, things I, change quickly. Like, yes. I think that by the time you're done with your business plan also, something might have changed. <laughs> like, so, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's 100%. Best, yeah. It's best to just like go with the flow and see what you need to pivot when you need to pivot yes. and yeah. be on top of it. Like I think yeah. that is the number one thing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, Christine, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, I would love to have all of your links in the show notes. So where can they find you and where can they find Dear Survivor? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Dear Survivor. um, And my website is dear-survivor.com. Yeah, I recently also started a YouTube channel where I go into more of like small business ownership and like things I'm learning and dealing with. Um, So yeah, lots of things. I think uh, YouTube is just at Dear Survivor too. So um, yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. I have to check out your videos. They're, they're, I, I'm new. Don't. Oh, that's <laughs> like, perfect. Don't, don't no, too critical. <laughs> I love following any small business owner, entrepreneur. Like, I don't care. Like, I just love following all oh, that's cool. So. Yeah. Well, they're fun. I'm having fun with it. It's, it's a new venture. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much. I love what you're doing with Dear Survivor. And I think it's helping out so many women and it's making such an impact in the world. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Great talking to you. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be sure to give it five stars on iTunes. That really means a lot to me and it's a great way to help people discover my podcast. I'd also love to know what your thoughts were on this on the Instagram page or on the Facebook page. So please let me know your thoughts, but thank you guys again for listening. It always means so much to me when I see that you guys are listening and posting it on your story. Please know that those do not ever go unseen. But anyways, thank you again and I'll see you guys next week on Monday. Yes, on Monday with another episode of The Real Real Podcast. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.